This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's good! It's good! It's good! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball, turn, picks and flow, and touchdown the is frozen over. of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. All right, Saints fans, welcome into Inside Black and Gold. We are back at it. Steve Geller, Jeff Nowak, bringing you the latest on your favorite team that just took on their first preseason game against the Houston Texans. We, I think, expected a lot of the things we did see, and then there was a few unexpected twists in that first preseason game. But for the most part, a lot of things went the way I at least thought they would with the first team, the first teamers that were out there. Uh, We saw them move the ball down the field wonderfully uh, right off the bat. And I thought that the first team defense too was phenomenal without so many of the starters even present. Uh, It was pretty impressive that the Texans didn't even have a first down until the second quarter. Right. And they weren't even that close to it. Um, yeah, I think it's easy to be to kind of come away from that and feel like it was a negative result because of the way it ended, you know, because right. of the 17-13 scoreline, because the Texans managed to pull off a final, you know, game-winning drive in a, in a game that didn't matter uh, against the backups to the backups to, in some cases, the backups. Um, some guys just arrived on the team. It's always the first couple series that are far more important. And you look at it this way. if Would you rather have the first team dominate and then uh, lose at the end or have your first team do absolutely nothing like the Texans did and then sneak out a win to, to trick fans who didn't watch into thinking it was a good, a good result. Uh, Cause I know which one I would prefer and I would prefer to be on the Saints end of it. And we're going to get into a lot of that. Steve and I are going to go through our studs and our duds and our honorable mentions from the game that was played. We're going to kind of re-rank the RB three battle because we got a lot of new information on that. Um, you know, headlined by Dwayne Washington being the guy apparently um and then we're going to uh close out with me explaining why i don't think trevor penning was that bad i was able to rewatch the game this morning and when i went into it i was thinking man trevor really struggled then i rewatched it and i was like okay those three or four plays that i that we were brought to our attention were very obvious uh but you know the rest of it i don't think it was that bad so we're gonna get into a lot of that in the final segment but without further ado our first Stud, Steve, who is it? 
I mean, it's got to be, for me, the red rifle, the man under center to start the game, Andy Dalton. Came out firing, looking fantastic, five for five, 51 yards, led the team down, uh, getting that touchdown with Dwayne Washington. And he just looked confident, uh, very smooth, like we've seen him in camp practice as a guy that, uh, I don't know, it seems him and uh, Carmichael Jr., they might have that that connection that we laughed about all the time, that Breeze and Sean Payton had together. Really, Andy Dalton has gelled well and and assimilated himself here uh, where it seems like he's been in this offense for a while now. And I don't know if he just, you know, obviously being in Chicago the year before and then with the Dallas Cowboys, obviously before that with all those years in Cincinnati, he must maybe appreciates the offensive line he has now. Uh, But definitely super uber confident in the Saints backup quarterback situation. I'm I'm not saying that Dalton's a guy that's going to supplant Jameis Winston. We're not talking about any of that still, uh, obviously. But if there is that break in, in case of glass emergency situation, we, we saw that Dalton can come in and seamlessly guide this offense. And that's, that's huge, obviously. He's just so steady. You know, and and that's really all you can hope for at, at the backup quarterback position, right? And I think the question is, I have is, you know, okay, so if you end up in the same situation you were in last year, not that, you know, you will, but just kind of theorizing a, a scenario that Andy Dalton could have a major impact. If Jameis goes down and all of a sudden you need a quarterback and you do you have a five-game losing streak in the middle of the season the way you did last year? I don't think so. And, you know, even if you go one and four in that stretch, you're in the playoffs, right? So it's the, the margin is that slim when it comes down to it. And I think that definitely Andy really kind of showed on that opening drive that he can be a capable quarterback leading the Saints roster. And, uh, you know, he was not just one driving out. They wanted to see 10 to 15 plays from him. Uh, that's what Dennis Allen said after the game. And it just so happened that the, he led a 10-play scoring drive, and they were like, okay, that's all we okay. need to see. And it's like, throw Ian in there, and we kind of went from there. And that was the only touchdown we saw. Probably wasn't the only touchdown they should have gotten, but there was a lot of turnovers. And that's why when you kind of look at the result and you look at how things went and you say, man, they turned the ball over a lot. Well, none of that was on the first-team offense. Um, you know, they, they allowed a few big plays at the end. You know, none of that was on the first, second, or maybe even third-team defense. Um, they shut him out in the second half until that final drive. So, no, I think I think you're right on with that. And I, I was impressed. Like, I came into this offseason. He's got Dalton over here. Roadhouse. Um, and might be I, was, <laughs> I, I was skeptical of, like, what Andy had left in the tank. But I think that he's proved me wrong. Um, not that I – again, not that I think he should be the starting quarterback or even wanted to be the starting quarterback. But I think that it was a very um, – it was a solid signing this offseason that I really questioned at the time. Yeah, and I, I kind of laughed when our very own Bobby Bear went on air and mentioned that if Jameis wasn't able to play, he still believed that the Saints could win 11 games with Andy Dalton under center. And I might start the believing that season? a little bit. Like a if little... Jameis didn't play at all? Right. Not all about that. <laughs> he's... he's, he's well, he said coupled with the Saints defense, along with what, you know, Andy Dalton's experience and, you know, confidence under center that he still thought that this team could be an 11-win team. 
Yeah. And well, I mean, gonna... obviously it's a preseason game, but that was, it seemed very validating last night. A little bit. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> if he can come in and win one game in relief, I would be thrilled. And that's really <laughs> all you can hope for from a backup quarterback. And I think that's what the Saints didn't get last year. They didn't get that one game in relief. You had Trevor come on in relief and win games, which I you know as a backup, that is really your primary role. But you didn't get any of those. You had five, uh, four opportunities for him to do what he didn't get it done. And that's what you need to avoid if that happens again this year. But it's anyway. funny, too, is we talk about the first team, obviously, offense and defense, and there was obviously so many guys that weren't even dressed last night. All, all your big names didn't play. Uh, you know, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, uh, over on defense, Demario Davis, Teran Matthew, Marshawn Lattimore. The list goes on when you're talking about first team offense and defense. Um, it, it was just funny to me seeing uh, so many of those guys just in their sweats. And Alvin Kamara really took on a great role of being – kind of like a, a, a coach on the field for that for, for that first team offense when they were out there. Yeah, it was basically the one and a half the one and a half team. Like it wasn't the first team. 1. It was kind 5, of somewhere right. in between first and second. Um but that's but that's why the preseason is valuable because it allows guys to kind of step into roles and my stud is going to be one of those guys. You saw him on the first play of the game. You saw him intercepting a pass. You saw him getting in the backfield tackle for loss. He I think he led the team in tackles with six it's going to be Chase. I just show up in ball Hanson. I mean, where where has he been? He has not been on the roster. We recognize the name, but he can't hasn't been able to stay healthy, but he was all up in the, in the running backs grill. I think it was Marlon Mack on that first play. He just came in on a blitz and he just took him off his feet before he even found where he was. And that's just an ability that you, you want to see out of a depth linebacker, right? You want to see a guy who's just going to get up there and make a play who's not intimidated by that moment. And he did, and he seized it. And, you know, he, he had that really, uh, really nice interception in the, in the first half. It was, I think it was a tip by Eric Wilson. He deserves some credit there. Another linebacker Absolutely. who I thought played pretty well. But, yeah, I mean, Chase, for a guy who has struggled to stay healthy, for a guy who just hasn't really had his moment yet in the NFL. I thought that was a really, really cool thing to see in a game where he really needed to stand up, and he did. Yeah, and that's a position that that's definitely the weak spot, if you would say, on the Saints' defense is depth at linebacker. Uh, other than Demario Davis, there's still question marks. We have Pete Werner, who's who's nursing that groin injury. Uh, I didn't see him at all yesterday. Um, I'm curious, you know, what's – Who's going to step up and be that guy uh, in in that linebacking core? We saw Chase Hansen. You mentioned Eric Wilson, who I think, yeah, that was a huge tip by him uh, to create that play for the defense. And, yeah, with Hansen, a fast guy, great closing speed. Uh, you mentioned that run stuff. Uh, I think it was like a, a two- or three-yard loss on Mac. Uh, and, yeah, was, hasn't been someone that has been at camp the whole time was – just just showed up and a plug and play was pretty impressive. Obviously, been here before, so he's he's been around the team and is he, he knows this defense as well. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a veteran per se. He's been in the league forever. I, want, I can't remember if he's out of Wisconsin, um, but yeah, I mean he's a guy who you want to be having in a locker room. They brought him back for a reason. They had him here last year, and I thought he he had his moments in the last preseason and he couldn't stay healthy. So it's cool to see him back. Um, and we're, we're going to move on here because we've, we've already kind of waxed poetic pretty long about these guys, about our studs. Stud. And we're going to move on to the romp, 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 duds. Um, and I'm gonna, we're going to introduce Steve's dud with his words on his own performance 
after the game, and here it is. Uh, it was a slow start, you know, but just felt good to be out there. Um, preseason, you're going to make mistakes. That's what Coach said, and he just wanted to see everybody fight. I thought we fought hard um, as an offense. Uh, when you make mistakes, it's about rebounding. You know, we ran the ball really, really well, in my opinion. Um, you get rid of those turnovers that should never happen with QB center exchange. That's on me. And then, you know, the second pass, a little high, tip ball. That's just football. But um, that's the preseason, too. So we're going to get those fixed and we'll get it working. I've, I definitely high. took the, the easy out in this segment with picking the stud as the quarterback and the other dud as the other quarterback. Yeah, he, the story of the Book. game. Ian Book was it was a rough night and I wonder if you know it was something where the 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 nerves got the best of him for the most part uh that that high pass to a guy that's what six four six five Jawan Johnson he's he's six four and he can he got up he jumped (laughs) he was off the ground I mean Zion Williamson would have a hard time (laughs) snaring that ball and you cannot say a little high that ball was sailed if he was throwing to Deontay Harris, it would have been a like clean five feet over his head. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, we, we, we saw the instances too. He he held on to the ball a lot. Uh, the five sacks for Book that that wasn't uh, wasn't entirely ideal, on obviously. him. I, I, I don't want to call him out for all the sacks. There were a few ugly moments from the offensive line, but he did hold the ball too long at times. I agree. Yeah, and then, and just obviously the inaccuracy and. At this point, I think it's it's clear for me at least that okay, say if Jameis isn't playing, and then you have Andy Dalton who gets hurt, who are you going to put at quarterback? Because ten out of ten times, I'm going to do Taysom over Ian Book. Yeah, it kind of feels that way because at least you can get that power run game. And the thing is, like, if he was kind of if he had defenders hanging all over him on that play, and he kind of airmailed it, that's one thing. He was throwing no. out of the cleanest pocket you you saw all night. He had a wide open receiver. Jawan Johnson was standing alone. I tweeted a couple frames from the from the game on my Twitter account at Jeff underscore Noack this morning. It's like, man, it's I. It's actually more painful to watch again because you see how just that should be pitch and catch, right? You know, he was brought in and people kind of wanted to say, yeah, he's kind of in that breeze mold where he's six feet tall and he's supposed to be super accurate and he can move around. Well, Drew Brees wouldn't have stayed in the NFL very long if he couldn't hit wide open receivers. Um, there was a play later in the game where Kirk Merritt was coming through on a slant and against off coverage. And if he puts the ball on him, we have seen Kirk Merritt, what he can do in the open field when he gets the ball in his hands. He's a running back, but the ball was left clean behind him. So he had to kind of reverse and catch it. And so he lost all of his momentum and it ended up being, it was a reception. It was a three yard game, but it could have been one of those plays you look at and like, okay, yeah, some positive momentum, but the throw was so off that it didn't have a chance. It was the play right before Tony Jones had that like beast mode run. If you remember where he broke like four tackles. So you kind of forget about it, but that was a first down that only got three yards and should have gotten at least seven, eight. Um, and maybe been a big gain, maybe been the Kirk Merritt moment of the day. And it wasn't. So, yeah, I mean, I was incredibly disappointed, but I, I did think he settled in. Um, I think he, he, he works the right way. I think he goes about the game the right way. Um, I think he's a good guy to have in the locker room, but it's really hard for me to see a roster spot for him. Um, do you think height has anything to do with it? Like, does he have problems seeing over defenders? I think it has something to do with the trajectory on his throws. I don't think he has an issue seeing the the the, the routes because he was throwing to the right reads. I mean, he saw Jawan. 
that wasn't the issue. <laughs> he just didn't get the ball anywhere near where it needed to be. And that might be a height thing. But again, he was he was four yards back from the nearest lineman. He should be able to make that throw. And if you can't, you're not an NFL quarterback. And right now, it's hard to see him as an NFL quarterback. Right now, it's hard to see him as an NFL backup. And, I, and it's it's harsh, but I think it's it's the reality. But the good news for Ian is he's going to get his chances. He's not getting cut. I saw a few people saying, oh, he's going to get cut. Um, he's not getting cut. No. Not, I mean, he might be, he'll be one of the final cuts, I think, but he's not getting cut before that final cut down because you need quarterbacks in the preseason. <laughs> You're not going to run Jameis and Andy out there. They're guys you need. So he's going to end up getting a lot of these reps. Um, I don't know yeah. why KJ Costello was completely out of the equation, but I get, I was wondering that too. I didn't know maybe it was just too soon for him with the team uh, to, to get in there. Uh, but I thought at least to hand the ball off, he would be able to, he would come in for in the fourth quarter with a little bit. But maybe because the the game was still, you know, within grasp, you know, and, and you're trying to keep book out there in a competitive situation. But I'm interested to see maybe in this Packers game what Costello could do, and if that that pushes uh, Ian anymore because he he is in desperate need of a bounce back game here against Green Bay. Yeah, we have a few questions. Yeah, why why did Ian Book play the entire game? And he really did. I mean, he Andy Dalton got the first series. Ian was in there the was- rest of the way, which is rare to see in the preseason. But I think it's a combination of KJ Costello got there on Thursday, right? I mean, he had, right. what, two days to learn the offense or whatever offense you're going to run. That's not an ideal scenario. I think that they brought him in just in case maybe, you know, Ian Book goes down with an injury. And you don't want to send Andy Dalton back in there. You have someone you can throw in. Um, I just don't think with two days to kind of learn the the checks and the reads, that's a tough sell. And you don't want a guy. You these are moments where you want to go out there and like showcase your skill set. And I do think that throwing him out there not knowing the the offense at all would be doing him a disservice because no tape is better than bad tape. And if you're putting AJ in a position where he's going to go out there and just look awful, then that's not good for him. Right. So I think they were doing him more of a favor by not throwing him out there, but I would expect to see him assuming Jameis is not in play. I would expect to see him against the Packers, at least like in the fourth quarter, there was no reason to leave Ian in there. If, unless you just did not intend to play KJ at all. And I think that's what was going on. Um, But yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that. I just, it felt like at least at some point in the fourth quarter, even that Costello was going to come in, but that wasn't the case. And quite a, quite a different dynamic in, in quarterback size there too. <laughs> no doubt. Was a much bigger, much bigger dude. Yeah. And he's got a, he's got a strong arm. I am interested to see him. I don't think he's going to make yeah, the roster, exactly. but I am interested to see what he has to offer. Um, because I think, you know, this is a moment for him. He, you want to see him get a chance in the preseason because He's a USFL guy. There's a lot of USFL guys. Brian Allen had his moment, and then he he let us flounder away. But he had that. He got that highlight. He'll always have that highlight of that interception in the Saints jersey, and he will shut the tape off right before the next drive <laughs> when he got uh, the. I think it was uh, John Stinscrum, which the broadcast crew for that game was fantastic. It was uh, Joel Myers, Jonathan Vilma, and John Stinchcomb. And his analysis of that play was like, yeah, he was in man coverage. And then about halfway through, he decided, you know what? I don't want to play man coverage anymore. I'm going to stop. Um, he's also not my dud. So I don't want to tease the wrong guy. I, w- I will uh, say my wife even texted me. The saints could cut him now. That's how Brian Allen? she was. Yes. Or Ian book. 
Brian. Uh, Brian Allen. Well, he's been on the team for two days. So that's exactly right. But I think she, you got to let a guy get a paycheck before you fire him. She, she felt he could stay in Houston. He shouldn't even want to see him come home. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's the thing. The game doesn't matter, guys. The game didn't matter. Um, okay, moving on to a guy who should matter, but he kind of let me down there a little bit. My dud, Traquan, got to catch that Smith. Um, and I'm actually yeah. going to be softer on Traquan than I know a lot of people have been because I thought that Trey started well. He caught a third down conversion from Andy Dolan on that first drive that kept it going. It was a nice little stick route that he kind of just broke off, sat in the space and caught a nice 15 yard pass. Um, but then he was kind of absent. One thing that I think is concerning if you're Trey Quan is you were out there for 26 snaps. Marquez Callaway only played 15. You know, both of those guys only had one catch, but you, you kind of now feel a little more confident in Marquez in terms of making the roster because you know, he got taken out of the game. <laughs> that kind of, in, you can kind of infer uh, the value placed on a player by how quickly they come out in the preseason. And I think that's an indicator. Where he really let me down was when he had a chance to make Ian Book look a lot better uh, than he did in the end. And that was that perfect ball. If you want to, if you want to complain about Ian Book all you want, that's fine. But he threw a touchdown pass. It just was not caught. Um, because it was a beautiful ball right over the shoulder in the back corner of the end zone. Traquan got both hands on it. I thought at first maybe it got knocked away. It did not. Um, I rewatched that this morning pretty closely. He just didn't catch it. And that's just not the tape you want to put out there. Um, but I will say that Traquan, if he makes the roster, and I think he still has a pretty good chance to make the roster, he's going to do it by doing things that other people don't want to do, which is block um, on that Ian Book interception. He's the guy who got the tackle. You know, and and that's the type of stuff that he's going to do that the dirty work and that's going to help him make the roster, you know, well, but I do think that now kind of as you look at it, I went into it thinking, okay, maybe Marquez Callaway is on the bubble for a guy like Dejon Dixon, Kirk Merritt, who might uh, pass by him and take that spot. I now think that that's Traquan on that final bubble spot and he's going to have to, it's going to have to show up uh, against the Packers and the Chargers, I think. I've been pretty hard on Traquan consistently, and I, I was actually came away impressed with a pretty decent training camp I thought he was having. He's healthy. And yeah, exactly. And then you just see that inconsistency at wide receiver where there's, there's games that he does disappear. He's had some success, obviously, with this team, but just a guy that he's he's never able to string it together game-to-game kind of basis and – I was on – that was the, the sideline, uh, Saints sideline, where he dropped that ball in the end zone. And I, I could I thought the defender might have had a hand on his arm. Uh, I had didn't. to go – no, not at all. And I, but I did see the ball just basically go through his hands. Yeah, and he he laid on the ground afterward. You could tell he knew it. You know, oh, he, 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 he didn't feel like that was – Visibly, you know, distraught about it. Yeah, uh, he didn't get I mean, up, you know, looking for a flag. He he knew no. that he should have caught that. And for, you know, if you're the person that really, really wanted the Saints to win that game, you know, that touchdown probably wins the game for them if they catches it because they know that's the difference. But, okay, let's move on. Let's stop being mean to Traquan. Let's talk about a few good things before we go to break here. Let's get some honorable mentions. My first one, and I tweeted about this today as well, Malcolm Roach. If you saw, I don't know, I can't remember if it was the second drive or the third drive. I believe it was the same drive that 
Paulson Debo drew the offensive pass interference, which he should have been the stud. I don't know why we forgot him, but Paulson Debo was fantastic. Um, but Malcolm Roach, it was a screen pass. It was a third and 12, and he's coming from the other side of where the screen is being run. The screen's being run away from him. You don't even block that guy because you're like, he can't make a play. This is a 290-pound man. He's not chasing down a running back. Well, believe you me, he chased that man down. I have not seen a giant person run that fast since Hugh McGavin tried to run off with Happy's jacket. It was that <laughs> moment. It was like, that belongs to Mr. Gilmore. And it was boom. <laughs> he tackled him at like the 29. Sorry if that was a loud clap. I think he, like when they landed, he was at the 33. It was insane. A 290-pound man should not be able to sprint that fast to dive that far. Uh, and he stopped it. He forced a punt. I, I don't know if he would have made it to the first down, but he would have had a chance. Uh, like that must have felt like I can't even imagine what that running back must have thought was happening when he was getting, you know, dive bombed by a 300 pound defensive tackle 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. But it must have felt like getting hit by a truck. So good on Malcolm. You know, that type of hustle is hard to is hard to teach. You know, it's either you do it or you don't. And he, he's doing it. I got to say my honorable mention, though, is a negative. My, my honorable mention was the Saints pass rush. You know, I, I expected a lot more. I know the Would defense be dishonorable? was dishonorable. Dishonorable mention. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I, the, the defense was obviously phenomenal, you know, uh, that first team defense. But when we saw guys like Peyton Turner, Carl Granderson playing so late in the game, I, I was waiting. I was waiting for that big hit on the quarterback and just nobody was getting home. I was curious of why the pass rush wasn't able to get more sacks. I think they only had one on the night. Yeah. I thought, you know, uh, you know, Malcolm gets an honorable mention for that play, but I thought the pass rush was um, suspect. And then the run defense was even more suspect. Damian Pierce looked like a star. Um, and I don't know if he is, <laughs> but uh, that's something that the team's going to have to clean up. But again, you know, this is a situation where you don't want to overreact. You were playing without Cam Jordan, without David Onyemata, probably the two best, run defenders on the defense. So, you know, I don't want to overreact to what we saw, but, you know, those depth defensive tackles, they're going to be there primarily to play the run. You know, you, the, they're saying is, you know, stop the run and then you have fun, right? That's actually what yeah. they say. It sounds corny, but it's what they say. Um, and they didn't do it, you know? So if you're looking for some criticism, if you're looking for some teaching points in the tape, I think it's going to come in how they handled the run game. I will give a shout out. I thought Tano Passigno was a guy that at least was able to apply some pressure and make – the quarterback uncomfortable, but yeah, like I said, to me, I, I wanted to see more of those flashes that we've seen from Peyton Turner and Carl Granderson, especially since they were, they were still around so late in the game. Going yeah. They played the a Texans, lot more than I expected. They played a lot going more than against I expected. The, Tex the Texans, you know, second and third team guys. But yeah, I mean, I think the linebackers had a big role in stopping the run in this game. And that's, if your linebackers are the ones playing the run, that means the defensive tackles aren't doing their job. Um, but one more, one more honorable mention before we get out of here for this segment, and that's going to be Dejon Dixon, wide receiver, Nickel State, three passes, I think 33 yards receiving. He was the team leader in receptions. He had a really, really impressive third down conversion. I think it was third and 13. He caught a pass for 17 yards from Ian Book. And I, you know, I said this going in, and I think this is why I'm, we're being a little too critical of Traquan is there has been a clear connection between Ian Book and Dejon Dixon in camp. So it's not a surprise to me that they look good in concert with each other when they're out there. I went through my notes. I don't think I wrote down a single 16 to 10 uh, anywhere. So, you know, I think that's something that you kind of lose perspective on where 
I mean, if that's Andy Dalton, Traquan might be a lot more involved. But that's that's a good thing for Dejan because Ian Book's going to get his chances and he's going to be able to go out there and shine and really prove his worth. And if he doesn't prove it well enough for the Saints, try to prove it well enough for 31 other teams that might be uh, wanting to claim him. So uh, good on him. I thought Dejan and Kirk Merritt had a few nice plays too. I, I don't want to forget about him and Destrehan kid. And I get uh, I'll sneak another honorable mention. I guess the, all all three running backs I thought did pretty decent. All four running backs. I, I you know what I still consider though, Dwayne Washington is a guy that's on the roster. No matter I don't want to say no matter what, but I feel no, like he's his, on the roster. He, I agree with you there, he's, but he's, he's still blocked, he thinks he can be a running there. back. So, but I get so yeah. I'm really talking about that that competition between the three because, you know, Tony Jones Jr., Abram Smith, and Azigbo don't have their spots locked in, whereas you know Washington's space is definitely there with the special teams role. Steve got a little ahead of himself because that is our next segment. We are going to re-rank the RB three race based on what we saw in the preseason opener, and it's going to be a whole lot of that. So stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back inside black and gold. We're going to talk about running backs. I'm excited about it. Steve, are you excited about it? Yeah, it's one of the biggest battles we want to see this preseason. And we finally got it against another squad instead of, you know, just these practices against one another. And yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a, a disappointment against Houston. It was a, a good, uh, a measuring tool. I was, I was surprised to see uh, Dwayne Washington, getting reps with that first team right away. Yeah, it, if you were watching the second half of that game, I hope you were interested in the RB3 battle because it was really one of the only things worth watching outside of maybe, you know, the the offensive line. But yeah, so let's just kind of set up what happened, which you had all four running backs. They kind of came off in an order. And I think that that order is really indicative of kind of how they went in and how they were viewed in the pecking order so far, which... Dwayne Washington came off the bench first, and I was not expecting that. I was expecting to see maybe a Tony Jones, maybe a Devon Zigbo, but it was Dwayne getting the first run at it, and he really had the run of the entire first quarter. He had that entire first drive. He ended up with nine carries for 19 yards, which I think the yardage total is a little disappointing. It's about 2.1 yards per carry, but yeah. I think that when you look at him, his, he really is a good receiver out of the backfield, and that's where he made his impact felt. He had uh, three catches, 18 yards, which is a team high, three catches. Um, and one of those was that screen pass for a touchdown that I thought was really, really well executed by both the offensive line, Eric McCoy. I can't remember. Maybe it was maybe it was Throckmorton out there. I can't remember who the other guy was. Um, but Dwayne ran it really well. He was very patient. He got in the end zone, the only touchdown of the day. So he gets a lot of credit for that. I did think he kind of faltered a little as the game went on. He had a near fumble, which, you know, in the preseason, a near fumble is still a fumble. And it doesn't hurt the team. But, you know, when you're going through tape, you're not going to miss that. Um, he got lucky. It bounced back into his hands. But that's still kind of a that's a that's a negative check mark. 
And then on a third and one, he had a chance to really just plow. And I don't know if he was trying to stutter, but it looked like he kind of lost his feet and he just kind of fell. And that's not a good look. So, you know, after a really good start, I thought he kind of dropped a little bit in my eyes. Tony Jones Jr. came on next. Seven carries, 27 yards. He also had a catch for 13 yards, which, you know, we've talked about his pass catching ability. He hasn't been perfect, um, but he looked good there. Then he kind of got the run until halftime. Next off the bench was Divine Zigbo, who, you know, I think he's the shiftiest of the backs. Eight carries, 26 yards. He had a couple catches, but he didn't really do much with it. I think he only had one yard, negative one yard receiving. And then Abram Smith kind of got the final run. He actually led the team in rushing at seven attempts for 30 yards. He had that one nice catch out of the backfield, but that fumble, which really, 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 really is tough to see from a UDFA who's trying to fight for a roster spot. He's not going to get cut because he fumbled in the preseason opener, but it's now going to become a major point of emphasis and a teaching point, and he has to show that it's not going to be a thing. But so of those four running backs, who did you come away most impressed with, Steve? I would say Tony Jones Jr. just for the fact that uh, I thought all around, I, I, I liked his game, uh, getting those uh, 3.9 yards of carry, 27 yards, and then he also chipped in in the the the, the receiving game, which has been a, a big question, and I thought it was a nice 13-yard uh, gain he had there. And he just seems a guy that uh, he's running well. He seemed to have good, decent vision out there on the field, and uh, I just feel like he – He's got to prove more during these games because we saw what we, he was able to do in training camp last year and then come the regular season really vanished. And I know he had the ankle injury, but even after that, we just we didn't see much from him at all uh, out of this running back group. And I know it's this is obviously important to him as well. I think we mentioned last time he has a lot of uh, shiftiness, I feel like, that can go along uh, with his uh, power, not not so much power, but he's able to uh, get those tough yards and uh, a guy that keeps fighting with the ball. He's a guy, you know, he's never struck me as a super fast runner. Like, I don't know if he's the most athletic runner out there, but he does get up to speed really quickly. And I think that's what helps him kind of be a kind of maniac in the hole when, when you're got, trying to tackle him and he's just bullying through you. I think there is a very specific talent there that is kind of hard to quantify. But he also had a couple kick returns, and I actually thought that he looked good on those kick returns. And that's a, a good example of like that kind of short area quickness that I think he has. But yeah, I, I came away kind of, I don't know if I was most impressed with Tony Jones, but I was most surprised by Tony Jones because I did not expect to be that impressed, much like last year when I didn't expect to be that impressed with him in camp. And he ended up beating out Latavius Murray for that RB2 spot. Um, the guy, you know, and they all kind of do you do things well, right? Uh, so if I'm kind of ranking it right now, I'm putting kind of Dwayne and Tony neck and neck for that, like at the top. Then I'm putting Divine next on the next line down. And then I'm putting Abram on the next line down. And I think that that's not a terrible place for Abram to be. He still has, he still has time to kind of ascend because I think that when you kind of look at the structure of the team, and you look at what's going to be needed out of that RB3 spot, which is like, okay, maybe Kamara misses a couple games. You need to either fill in behind Mark Ingram or fill in on the early downs. And if you think Dwayne can do that, then I, then I think the second running back you keep is Abram Smith. 
because you don't have to trust him early on if you think you can trust Dwayne. If you don't think you can trust Dwayne as that RB3, then I don't think you can keep Abram because you need someone who you can put in that role that has a skill set that you trust. And I think that would have to be maybe a Divine Zigbo or Tony Jones. Now, one thing that Divine did that may not have gotten as much of attention, but I think is very important, he had two special teams tackles. I think they only had five in the game. And that role, that RB3 role, is going to have to play special teams. That's why Dwayne's going to make the roster, because he's going to be a special teams ace. And that next name on the list is going to have to contribute there as well. So I think while Divine, I don't think, stood out and did anything spectacular in the run game, although, like I said, I think he is the shiftiest runner. He's the best at making people miss in the hole. I think that if he can be a contributor on special teams, then that is a big check mark in his column. And I think for a Zigbo, too, I'm interested to see if come this game against Green Bay, if he does get elevated maybe to the ones to give to give him that opportunity as well, instead of being put in and later in the game when some of the, the second and third guys are in. Yeah. And, and as we all know, you know, that position's got to catch, too. And I think Divine, every one of them showed they can catch. Uh, Big Irv says, yeah, it's four backs for one spot. I disagree with that. I think it's four backs for two spots, but one of those yeah, spots is going three to be backs Washington. for one spot. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, so it's four, it's three backs for one spot. It's four backs for two, but like Dwayne's going to be there no matter what. So it's kind of, you're splitting hairs, but I do think there is a difference because two of those guys are going to make it. It's not just one. And Big Irv thinks it's going to be Abram. Uh, and, you know, I think that there's still a really good chance that it is Abram if he can prove that that was kind of a one-off and that fumble at the goal line. And here's what he had to say about it when he was asked um, in, the, in the locker room. Finally here, and this is what I'm doing. And, you know, the gear just came, but, you know, D-Wash and, and Tony Jones, they kind of just helped me, like, hey, shake it. You know, your first big hit, first hit, whatever it might be, um, just shake it. And that's exactly what I did. So, like you said, first big game, but had a little bit of jitters, and it kind of just all went away. What advice did they give you after the fumble? Did any of the veterans come up to you right away? Yeah, just told me to shake it off, kind of like everybody does. Big brother type of mentality is what they did to me, and you shake it off, you learn. You know, everybody everybody has their like has their days, so you just got to go back and bounce back and practice. And you know, at the end of the day, um, nobody's perfect, but we're all going to work to be perfect. Yeah, I think that's kind of where you where you end up. You know, it was it was not. You know, I think Dwayne's fumble was actually more concerning because it wasn't like a great defensive play that caused it. Even though he got it back, I still think it was a little more concerning because, you know, I think that's a learning point for Abram. You know, I don't think at the college level you have guys as well equipped to just punch the ball out the way the way the, the Texans defender did there. And, you know, he, that's a moment where it's like, yeah, you got to have two hands on the ball. You know, you can tell somebody that all day long. Uh, now it's going to be burned into, into his brain. He's like, got to have two hands on the ball at the goal line because fumbling there is, it's not just a turnover. You are taking points off the board. That's at least three points, probably seven, because he's set them up of like second and one or second and goal at the one. And, you know, that's just something you can't have happen. I, you know, I saw, I think there's some concern like, oh, well, you know, now they're going to, they're going to cut him. But it's like, he's not going to get cut because of that play. He's going to get cut if he comes out next week and he's in his own head and he fumbles again, or he, he doesn't get anything done because he's trying to, he's, he's trying to be too sure with the ball and he doesn't, he doesn't see a hole and, he, and he's late on some, on some plays and some assignments. So like, that's where, you know, it now adds a hurdle that might not have existed before because it's a concern in your mind that you didn't have before. But um, I think that he's got the right approach and I think he'll bounce back. Like you said.
And yeah, this is going to be a, obviously another big game for him on Friday night. But these joint practices with the Packers, uh, I'll definitely to see anxious to see how he responds there at well, uh, because it's going to be a lot different not going up against the Saints defense this week. Yeah, and I won't be out at those practices, but you're going to have to let me know if like it, I have a feeling he's going to be walking around uh, the facility in the hotel with a ball <laughs> like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like nonstop. Maybe or maybe like the Tiki Barber, like high, high and tight kind of deal. I, I just want to know uh, with with Abram Smith, though, like I, I want to see that that linebacker mentality we've talked about, we've said of him, you know, I want to see him truck somebody and absolutely knock them off their feet. And he's he's got that small fire hydrant type of body, I guess you could say. Not very tall, but a, a thick running back. And he's another one, too, that has, I guess you would say, sneaky breakaway speed. He doesn't really have, you wouldn't consider him a, a fast running back. But if he gets out Abram, into the open, yeah, he, yeah Abram Smith, he, I, I, he's just a guy that I see you could pull away. It's, and, pretty, and I just want to see more of more, something like that from him instead of just, you know, talking about what he did at Baylor, I want to see more of it happening on the field now for the Saints. Yeah, yeah, he needs to step forward, and I think he's going to get his chance. I'd like to see him run behind the first-team offensive line, if that's possible. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing when you look at the second half of these preseason games. It's kind of disadvantage on disadvantage where you have your second team or your third-team offensive line going against the backups to the backups on the other side. So it's like it can be a mirage at times because you're breaking tackles against people who aren't going to make the roster. You know, and that's why I'm, I am give a little more credence to what Dwayne did in the first quarter. He's going against, you know, maybe not the entire first team, but he's going up against NFL starting caliber players. Um, so I, I am interested to see if, you know, we're kind of talking about the order that they came out in as if that's kind of set in stone. I wouldn't be surprised if you see that kind of flip right. on Friday yeah, right. – because of that, because it's not necessarily about, okay, this is the order and this is where they're going to come out. And it's like, okay, well, you, we saw what you look like against the first team offensive line. Here's, let's see who, how maybe Tony does, or maybe um, Divine or maybe Abram. So I think that's something that I'm interested to hear from Dennis Allen throughout the week, because he wouldn't really tell us any insight into, you know, what the first team guys are going to be ahead of this game. But I think he's going to have to be a little more open about kind of the, the, phase one, phase two, phase three uh, approach in, in against the Packers, especially because they're going to be going against them in practice. I'm going to have to rewatch that tape because Reed's t- saying up here that Abram Smith did truck somebody on an eight-yard run last night. Yeah, he that, looked I, strong. Yeah. You, know, you know, he ran well. He had some really nice runs. And, you know, DA, DA said that too. You know, he ran behind his pads. He ran strong. But, yeah, I mean, you can do a lot of good things. And this is what DA said specifically. You can do a lot of good things. But if you put the ball on the ground, that's a major negative. Uh, and if it becomes a thing, if you if it becomes a point where you can't be trusted to hold on to the ball, it's really hard to keep you around. And so that's that's just going to be his job. But I think that I think that he's going to be fine, and we're going to learn a lot more about this room, and maybe maybe be able to trim a name um, off of off of that list uh, next week. Yeah, I I don't know because yet there wasn't that big of a separation. I thought. Still, from the three guys, I'm I'm still not putting Dwayne Washington in that mix just because I've we've talked about his role is pretty much solidified with the team. Even if it isn't the third number three running back, he's still going to have a role on special teams. But if on any of these other guys between Abram or a Zigbo or Jones Jr. 
it's still up in the air for me. I would, I, I can't, I, that's too close to call right now. That race. Roy Jones Jr. Um, I just enjoy saying Zigbo so much that it's like it's going to be a bummer. But I think that if anyone fell, it was probably him. Just because I didn't see the explosiveness. Like, he's a big guy, but he doesn't run big. Like, he doesn't run like a strong guy. He's the biggest running back of that group. He is the biggest and the, and the, and the heaviest, but he doesn't run like that. Like, we saw more powerful runs from Tony and from Abram, and we saw Divine kind of trying to jitterbug his way around, which works at times, and sometimes it doesn't. When it does work, it looks really, really nifty and exciting. When it doesn't, you're still talking like two, three-yard loss, and that's that's where I think Divine kind of loses it for me because it's like you're a big dude. You just got to put your, put your shoulder into somebody and just get two, three yards. You mentioned the shiftiness, too, with a Zigbo, and I thought there was, I think it was in the third quarter run. It might have been the fourth, but it was like a six- or seven-yard gain, and – he made he made a real nice move to make the defender look foolish, and I, you know I, I'm just anxious to see more of him with more with the with a first team kind of offense to give him a, a shot and not like I said completely write him off. the The other guys they did their job as well, but I just I can't give you the that pecking order to me is still obviously not set. And then this week with Green Bay is going to big, and obviously the, the next two games as well. Yeah, I mean, I think when we when I say we might be able to eliminate a name, it's going to end up probably being because, okay, maybe Mark Ingram gets some reps in the second game and you'll still only have four names and one guy doesn't get in. You know, one guy's only on special teams and that's going to be an indicator that, you know, they're starting to separate. But yeah, that, that's going to be, I think that's where we can wrap that up because we there's only so much we can say. We've talked so much about the running backs, but it's always going to be the interesting battle. And I think that Abram's going to be fine but he needs to clean it up. He needs to figure that out. He needs to hold on to the Dern ball and, uh, and we'll get it done. I want to know what his mom's going to tell him because she said, you know, be the hammer, not the nail. Yeah, he was both last night, but that's going to be it for that segment. Again, you're listening to inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. If you haven't already, make sure to head over to wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple, Spotify, overcast, you know, that's also a weather system. Um, and hit, hit the subscribe button, give us a five-star review, give us a rating and a review and let us know, you know, what we're doing that you hate, what we're doing that you like, what we can do differently. And uh, we'll try to uh, take that seriously. We're actually Sorry. on the Odyssey app now, too. We are. We're on the Odyssey app. That's so exciting. The company we work for has finally Woo-hoo. put us on their own app. Go check it out. We're going to come back and I'm going to try to talk you off the cliff about Trevor Penning for a while. We're going to hit on some more news and notes from the week as we get into the next week of the preseason. Stick around. We're back here for another segment on Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak gearing up for another talk about our favorite quote-unquote bad guy on the team uh the guy that i think everybody expects to get on a fight every time he's on the field now he's just throwing punches and pushing people around and causing havoc uh the 19th overall pick in the draft so he's got high expectations and i get it from folks but i I know what you were mentioning before a lot of folks are already on that cliff with trevor penning he had a, a mixed bag of a, of a game last night, and that's to be expected in the preseason. And we, we all know 
Uh, coming into this game, he's known for his run blocking, his mauler up front, and has issues in the passing game. And that, that's exactly what played out yesterday. But I think the overall of Penning was more positive than the negative. And it's just unfortunate that obviously those negative plays that stand out and maybe because they happen so close to each other. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's funny when you talk about linemen, it's always tough because as it's, it's just human nature when they have bad moments, you remember them and the, the broadcast talks about them and their name is all over the, the airwaves. And all of a sudden, you know, it's another bad rep and another bad rep. And all of a sudden there's this idea that, wow, he had a terrible game. I rewatched the game this morning and I, I spent a lot of time looking specifically at Trevor Penning. And I didn't think he played that bad guys. I really didn't. I think that he played well in the run game and he had a few really tough reps that got away from him late in the first half. And I think that he was pretty honest about what might've happened there uh, at the end uh, after the game. And that here's what he had to say. It was good. I think a little, I got a little gas there at the end, um, but that's expected. I mean, um, first game in since February, so and even then I was played a couple snaps, only played like twenty snaps. So really, first game since about December. So um, it was good to be back out there again and get a full, basically full game in. Yeah, I don't think he's making an excuse there. I think it's just reality. It was the first game. He got a lot of reps, um, and I think that when you look at when his struggles came, they came late in the first half on that last drive where. He probably thought he was done. He probably thought he was heading in for halftime. And all of a sudden, you're back out there for that kind of, you know, that two-minute drill. And a couple reps got away from him. Then they come back after halftime. And I think he was probably still in his head about those reps before halftime. And he let a couple more get away from him. And But so th- that four, those four reps were rough. But, you know, the consistency is probably the thing that you need to get to the most. And I think that throughout the rest of the game – he held up well. You didn't hear his name called a lot. He was in for most of the game. Uh, James Hurst, I think, went out after the first series, and he took a majority of the, the reps the rest of the way. So when you're talking about, okay, did I hear him get his name called out all the time? No, not really. I mean, in the run game, I thought he held up well. In the past game, there was a lot of good reps there, and you just got to build on those. But I don't think that he was nearly as bad as kind of the initial reaction off of the game because of, those plays coming in such close proximity to each other. And if you uh, believe in the PFF uh, ratings, he was the top rated rookie in week one of the preseason. I was very surprised to see that. Like I said, I didn't think he had an awful night, but I wouldn't put him, I I guess not seeing all the other games either. uh, It's kind of amazing that he's the highest ranked first round pick by PFF. Yeah. And I mean, take it, take it for what you will. You know, I don't swear by those ratings either, but the fact is, an independent party said that they watched these games and believe that he was the best player, the best rookie in week one of the preseason. So take that for what it is. I think that he has a lot he needs to work on. And I think that he is not the week one starter. I think James Hurst kind of put his stamp on that. But you know, when, when I went back and watched his reps, I was not nearly as concerned about, you know, his kind of long-term, viability and his ability to become a starting tackle in the NFL as I might have been coming right off the game last night so you know if if anyone wants to rewatch the game and and you know have it out with me I'm on Twitter I'll talk about it but it's I think that when you kind of look at the the larger picture of what he did it wasn't nearly as bad as it seemed 
Yeah, and I mean, this is going to be interesting for him to go into Green Bay now against the defense. That's that's pretty good. And they'll, they're going to be a big challenge for him in these joint practices, which, which will be great leading up to the game. And those moments that he did, that he did struggle last night, though, is what surprises me of why PFF had him ranked so high, though. I, I can't understand how they break that down exactly. Yeah, they gave him a, a, a 90 rating, which feels way too high. Like, I, I agree, because those moments that he struggled, they were significant. And I think that's where it kind of feels like the larger the, the larger picture of what he did is worse than it was, because those struggle points were so clear, in, especially in those in close proximity to each other, that, like, how do you end up with a 90 rating if you let your quarterback get blown up even two, three times throughout a game? Like, that should be enough to bring you down. That's why I question those ratings a little bit. But just the, the fact is there there is a party out there that, that watched this and graded it and, and felt like it was a lot higher than most people probably think. So just take that for what it is. And, you know, I thought that um, if you go back the play, the very specific play that I thought was a good indicator was um, the third down conversion to Dejon Dixon, where, you know, he just stonewalled the guy. The touchdown that should have been to Traquan Smith, he was a brick wall, you know, and there's going to be learning points. There's going to be learning curves. He's talked about the technique that he's had to pick up that he just didn't have at Northern Iowa. It's not a, necessarily a surprise because, you know, you're coming out of the FCS ranks where he could just bully people. And now he's got to make sure that his power is not being wasted because his technique is off. And it's kind of a lot what he's talked about thus far. And, and again, I'm just saying the concern over whether he can be the long-term left tackle is, is way premature um, because like I said, James Hurst is going to be the week one starter. I don't need Trevor to be ready to be a starting left tackle week one. I need Trevor to be ready if he's needed in his rookie season. If James Hurst goes down, he needs to be able to come in and be consistent, show the high points of what he did last night across the board and not have those very glaring breakdowns. And he knows that. He's going to work on that, um, but that's what preseason is for. And the fact is, this is a first, his first NFL game. You expect some troubles. That's part of the reason, you know, you talk about, oh, you didn't want Andy Dalton in there. Part of the reason you don't want Andy Dalton in there is because you're trying out uh, Landon Young and Trevor Penning at right and left tackle. You know, you go in knowing there's a, there's a good chance he might the quarterback might be running for his life, <laughs> right? That's all yeah. part of the process. I get it, though, with the concern from fans and whoever, just because when you're taking 19th overall, I mean, there, there's obviously high expectations with him. And but thinking he's going to going to be this all pro right off the bat is is a little out of reach. I, I want to definitely see more improvement in this Green Bay uh, week leading up to the game and also the game as well. He's talked about his hands are his are his biggest thing. And and being able to, you know, in, in the past, the past protection is the biggest issue. We we know he's going to be this guy that's physical and tough and all over you in the run game. But if you can't pass protect, that's going to be a huge, a huge issue. Yeah, no, it is. And, and Reed Wilson uh, seems to think we're forgetting their third stringers. Well, they weren't third stringers on the second drive of the game. That was the first team offense for the Texans or whatever the first team of it was at that point. Right. So he was out there a majority of the game. And that's why, you know, when he says he was gassed, I think that's probably a, a factor in why the struggles kind of cropped up late in the first half. And 
you know, like I'm not, I'm not trying to plaster over the fact that he struggled at points in that game. I'm just trying to point out that there were positive things to bring out of that. This is the first NFL experience for a guy. He's got to learn. He's got to pick it up. His last game came at Northern Iowa. <laughs> this is a bit of a step up in competition. So there's things he's going to learn. He's going to pick up. But if you go back to minicamp, if you go back to OTAs, I was way more concerned back then in what he was going to look like when he went against NFL competition because he looked rough with his technique and with his ability to kind of move people. And I thought particularly in the run game, he was impressive. So take that for what it is. I'm just telling you that I'm not going to jump off a cliff with Trevor Penning quite yet. And I think that if down the road, we're going to understand why this guy was a first round pick. I think that's that was a, the second quarter when he got, how do you pronounce the guy's name or, or Karambu or, or on the I, Texans you and like put a spin move on him and, and dropped him to the ground. And he, and you know, that was, it was a bit embarrassing. I thought that was probably his worst rep of the night. Well, no, his first, his worst rep of the night was the one that came. I, I can't remember if it was first or second down. It was on that uh, drive right before halftime. And he tried to set outside. He got a little too antsy. And then the defensive end kind of cut back inside. And he has this really bad habit of overreacting in that moment and grabbing the guy and throwing him. Well, you can do that if you were planning to throw him away from your quarterback. This was kind of like a flashback to the senior bowl where he threw somebody right at Desmond Ritter's legs. It's what he did to Ian Book on that rep, you know, and he got taken down by that guy. And that, that's one thing that he really needs to, to cut out of his game. Like, you get beat, you can't, you can't compound that mistake. You know, it's I'd rather see you hold a guy, which is what he did after halftime. <laughs> but... You know, those are things he's going to have to clean up. But again, like I said, it's a rookie in his first NFL preseason game. If you expected him to be perfect, you know, I think you were always going to be set up for disappointment. And I was expecting to go back through the tape. This is all I'm saying. I was expecting to go back through the tape and just watch rep after rep after rep. Where I was like, oh, my gosh, again. But that, that wasn't again, the case. Right. I saw a very, you know, a good number of positive pass blocking reps. There were a few where it was close, where it was a competition, it was a battle, but he, you know, he did enough. And that's and that's where I think you're going to see more of that as we go forward. You know, I think, and this week against the Packers is going to be a great test. This is a great pass rush that they have, and we're going to have to see it from him. What's funny is, and I know he didn't get as nearly as much reps as Trevor Penning, but there hasn't been any outcry or panic over Chris Olave's just one catches for four yards. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean... I think that they, it'll get louder if we get, you know, into week three and we're still only seeing, you know, one or two, uh, one or two catches. But I, again, I just, it's the preseason gets so frustrating for me because I think people get worked up about the wrong things where it's like, okay, you want to see the first team offense be effective. It was, you want to see the first team defense be effective. It was, you want to see right. young players, you know, finding their way you know you want to see them you know week one there's nothing to improve on this is your baseline if you're a rookie player this is your first tape now you're going to go back you're going to watch the tape you're going to see okay these are the things i need to improve on and then it's going to be on them to improve upon them right so if you're overreacting to what you saw in week one of the preseason i mean you're not even giving a guy a chance to see the trouble points and then move on from them it's not like they've been playing games at the nfl level we don't know we only saw him at the FCS level. So if the concern is or what we saw last night, then, you know, you need to figure that out and, and pick it up. 
Um, but the positive thing for the Saints is that I thought James Hurst looked very solid, and I have no concern about him being the week one starter. So Trevor's going to have time to figure it out. Um, and, you know, we're going to have to see how that how that goes. But for right now, I'm okay with it. Even uh, you talk about with the offensive line, a little off track there. I, I thought Andrews Pete was actually pretty impressive last night, uh, you know, supporting the run game. And they're all healthy. You know, right. we, we haven't heard we haven't heard any, you know, by this point last year, it was you know, there was at least three, four injuries. So, you know, hopefully this is a sign that that new training staff is really kind of figuring things out. And um, yeah, I mean, Traquan Smith is still healthy. Andrews Pete is still healthy. These are guys who are never healthy. So that's a positive. Anytime you can get through a preseason game and not have lost a key contributor, I say it was a positive result. Yeah, you hear everybody, you know, what's the biggest thing you want from the preseason? Obviously, all, all your guys to stay healthy. And for a, a big bulk, you know, the this, this Saints, we saw Chase Hansen take a shot in the um, – looked like he you know, lost his wind a little bit and was in the injury tent very briefly and came back out and was still productive. Uh, other than that, there wasn't any anything too much that happened to this team. Hopefully, coming out of that and going into the Green Bay week, we see some guys – coming back to this team that haven't played some of the young guys that didn't play last night. I was surprised not to see even like a Lucas Kroll. We didn't see uh, Alante Taylor. We know he's dealing with a hip issue. Uh, Definitely want to see them in some game action or even in the joint practices. Another guy is a second year linebacker, Pete Warner. I'm definitely, he would be on the top of my concern list with injuries just because we know groin injuries can linger in a very uh, big issue for a linebacker who has to move, uh, side to side. Yeah. And the, that's why, you know, a guy like Chase Hansen stepping up, you know, hopefully Andrew Dowell, guys like that, you know, you're going to need them to be contributors. And I still think you're going to end up seeing them bring in at least one or two more names at linebacker. Eric Wilson's another name who could be in a big role. Randy major here. Where would you guys rank our defense after last night going into the regular season? I'm glad you asked this because I think that we did not talk about Paulson Adebo enough at the top of the show. And Paulson Adebo has been a star in camp. And I think it's fit was fair to wonder how that might translate to a real game, right? With the physicality, you know, can he get away with that level of physicality in a game? Is he going to get flagged constantly? And what we saw last night, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it worked, you know, he actually drew an offensive pass interference against, I can't remember who the receiver was, but it was downfield and it was on a play where, you know, the DB is at a disadvantage. Marcus May came up and he, he got sent on a blitz. It was PJ Williams in deep center, you know, playing that deep safety. And so you have Paulson Adebo playing press man on the outside. He's on an island. Davis Mills sees that. He sees the pressure. He makes the right read and he throws a 50-50 ball. And Paulson Adebo was a blanket. He had no chance to catch that ball. He, he actually did catch the ball, but it was because he took his arm and shoved him. <laughs> out of the way so he could catch it and he still came down out of bounds but pj williams also got over the top you know and if if these are the guys who you can't complete a pass against you know if you can't attack that matchup who are you attacking you're going at you're going at marshawn on the opposite side of the field you're going at cj in the slot you know i mean <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to sneak something in under tyron matthew uh deep i mean this defense assuming the run stuffers do their job which as we talked about they didn't last night but again you didn't have Onyemata or Cam Jordan in there I, I mean this defense has a chance to be scary good you know I, I don't know I, I don't know how I could rank it just because 
I'm guessing at the relative talent levels of so many NFL teams that I haven't watched yet, right? Like gauging a defense is a lot harder than gauging an offensive skill set because you can you can kind of say, okay, skill player, skill player, skill player, quarterback. And I yeah, that's a good offense. But you know, this team, this has a chance to be the best defense in the NFL. I don't know if they will be, but for the from a talent level perspective, if you can't throw the ball uh, and you can just load up against the run, I mean, they're going to be good. Yeah, we always we know it's a passing league, and you, you rattle off all those names that this team has in the secondary. And another guy we didn't see last night, uh, Marcus May. Um, oh no, we, he did play actually. We did didn't see Marcus he? May for a few snaps, and we saw Bradley Roby starting across from Paulson Adebo. You know, Bradley Roby. You know, former Texan, so it was kind of a homecoming game for him. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy who probably won't even be on the starting line. He would be starting for, I would guess, a majority of NFL teams. He's probably going to be the CB3. You know, Alante Taylor, second-round pick, is going to be you know, premium depth at the cornerback positions. I mean, you can, you're can you in a situation where you could have guys go down with injuries, and the guys you're bringing in are, you know, starting-caliber players. And that's just – I mean, the, that, the talent level is insane on this defense. And the only questions I have are at the Will linebacker spot. And um, I think you can figure that out. If you have to figure anything out, I think that's the position you can figure it out. And then you talk about health too. The concern, obviously, on the end, defensive end, I just want to see Cam Jordan have some consistent support on the other side of him between Davenport, mm-hmm. another guy who didn't play last night, and with Peyton Turner. Peyton Turner. I, w- I want to see more of, you know, being a a game factor instead of just a practice guy. Yeah, and, and Reed Wilson is a good point, and we'll we'll get out of here soon. But, you know, Paulson Adebo, you know, I don't know if he would have been a first-round pick, but he would have been in consideration to be a first-round pick, no question. I think it would have depended on what he did in that kind of final year at Stanford for where he would have gone. But there was definitely a potential to work up into the first round, but he opted out, and the Saints kind of stole him in the third round of last year's draft. And it's going to – I think it's going to end up going down as another one of these incredible third-round draft picks that the Saints have because, you know, you go back and it's like that's where they get the majority of their star draft picks. Uh, Michael Thomas was a second-rounder. That's a rare one. But, you know, Jimmy Graham was a third-rounder. Akeem Hicks was a third-rounder. I think Deron Armstead was a third-rounder. Alvin Kamara was a third-rounder. Um, There's probably one that I'm missing, but then then Paulson Adebo. So, you know, if if this defense holds up, you know, this is the, that, that's why when I say like the national kind of media on the subject always tries to discount the Saints because of James Winston. And I kind of respond to that like, if the defense is good enough, all the quarterback has to do is play the right way and you can get deep into the playoffs. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo made a Super Bowl, right? And now the, the 49ers are trying to move on from him, but like he got them there, right? So it's not, it's not a question of whether you can, it's a question of, okay, can you complement the defense? not can you win in spite of the defense. And that's what was asked of Drew Brees for so long. If Drew Brees had this defense at his peak, if you're talking 2014 Drew Brees with this defense, I don't even know. I mean, it would have been a bloodbath. Um, and so you're just you're just looking to Jameis to be consistent. And I think he can be that. Yeah, we're, all, we're hoping that. And, you know, we know he has a tweaked foot, which, which ends up being, a, you know, we found out Whatever a strength foot for him. Means. Yeah, and... I'm interested to see what what comes of him this week in Green Bay and leading up to the game. If he does end up practicing, will we see him in action? 
or do they hold them off to the preseason finale? It's kind of weird now with three games on, you know, how you gauge where you're playing the bulk of your starters here. Yeah, I still don't think we're going to see Jameis. Even if Jameis is healthy, I'd be surprised if we see him in this game just because I think the third preseason game now is much more attractive to get those guys in there because you don't have to worry about, you know, okay, we're going right into week one. You have that open week. So I think if we see Jameis, it'll be week three. I don't know if we'll see Mike Thomas. I don't know if we'll see a lot of these guys. But, you know, we're not going to have much time to wonder. It's going to be right on us on Friday. Um, another 7 o'clock start. They have three 7 o'clock starts in the preseason and three 7 o'clock starts in the regular season. <laughs> we're so, primetime uh, we, preseason action, baby. Yeah, that prime time. We have two Friday night starts coming at you. But I think that's going to wrap it up on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. I know Steve needs to get get re- he needs to unpack his bag from Houston and then pack it so we can go out bag. to Green Bay. Yeah, doesn't have a lot of time. I'm going to be here roughing it out with y'all in the humidity. You can see my hair has gotten gradually more wet because my air conditioner is not doing the job. Uh, so I've just been sweating this whole time. But it's been important to me to keep talking and not spend the entire time trying to fix my air conditioning. So this was for you. I appreciate it. You know what? And I actually told my wife before the podcast, please drop the air because it was getting stuffy in my office. I'm, I'm, cooling, I'm cooling here at a nice 74. Yeah, see, I don't have, a, I don't have an assistant to help me out with the, with the conditions <laughs> in my house. I, all I have is a barking dog downstairs. But as always, thanks for everyone who listened. Make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't. Follow Steve over at Steve Geller, WWL. He's going to be out at Packers camp this week, so you'll be able to get a lot of updates from him. You can follow me over at Jeff underscore Nowak. I'll just be tweeting my random musings about why uh, I love Trevor Penning and he's the best tackle of all time, right? Because that's that's basically yeah. the argument I made in this podcast, or at least that's what people, people will uh, tell me it was. But that's all. Thanks so much for everyone watching on YouTube, everyone who listens, and bring the pain against the Packers. Peace, y'all.